0: hello everyone welcome back to another episode of queen city roundup and we've got a special guest today with us today we've got ben okazawa senior editor of a website that some of you guys have probably seen me right for before uh crown hoops
1: so what's up ben how's it going hey what's going on guys pretty good over here how you guys doing still alive <laughs> pretty good that's the best, <laughs> best way to say it right now good start well, thanks for having me
2: yeah no worries yeah no
1: so oh, uh, happy
2: to have you yeah so this is the part where we uh we throw you the floor and uh you do your little uh your little spiel what you do what you like what your dislikes are what your favorite color is just just the whole whole ordeal <laughs> the whole nine so, yards. so what what
0: you what you've been up
1: to in the in the basketball world per se okay sure um <laughs> Well, I've been I've loved basketball just playing since I was like four or five years old. Um, me and my brother had one of those little Fisher Price plastic nets that extends four to six feet. Um, and I'd been playing in the OBA from the time I was like eight or nine until I graduated high school. Um, and some point, I think around grade eleven, um, I'd always liked writing, and I decided to just throw those two things together. Uh, so I started writing about basketball. Um, I had like a Raptors blog for about a year. Uh, and then I started, join. I joined uh, Crown Hoops uh, with uh, Jordan and all the guys over there, which has been good, which has been a lot of fun kind of branching out from just writing about Raptors to now just kind of all facets of basketball. Um, and then I just wrapped up couple of months ago my first year at uh, Ryerson in the sport media program which has been good because I've been able to kind of do more of the same kind of stuff that I've loved doing since uh, grade 11 just writing about basketball so
2: yeah um, that's some good, good stuff. stuff all right so, so uh, Joe you the want to have the questions or yeah. I'll, I'll,
0: I'll start so the reason why we wanted you to come on the show is not only to talk Raptors and the whole return to play for the NBA but so one thing I'm very excited for is the Canadian Elite Basketball League. They're having a tournament in place of a season this year. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get like what your your thoughts on that tournament like or in that league in general because it's not as well known.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not as well known, but uh, I think it's going to be honestly pretty good basketball because just like scrolling through the rosters, I know there's a lot of U sports guys on there, which in my first year at Ryerson – uh, in meet a lot of what we do is we'll broadcast the... Uh, we'll, like, live-stream the basketball or any kind of the varsity sports games. So I was starting to become really familiar with U Sports Basketball, which is the Canadian University League. And a lot of these guys are actually pretty good, and I see a lot of their names on these rosters. Um, and even uh, guys on the Canadian... like, the national basketball team, the, the Scrub Brothers. Yeah, so they're popular. It's, Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think it's going to be better than a lot of people think it'll be like higher quality basketball than most people would expect from a relatively unknown league uh, so i'm excited to check it out and i'm glad that we have our own league as well um, as a country we have something to kind of focus on outside of the nba and outside of the raptors yeah,
2: it's yeah that's, definitely- one thing, that's one thing i wanted to, to touch on not to not to cut you off joey but like uh like i myself like i'm going to be going into the into the sport management field. And I, for one, want to see more uh, involvement and engagement with, um, with sports at every level. And, like, I know you mentioned U-Sport as well. And I know U-Sport's kind of going through a little bit of a, of a difficult patch, obviously, with, with COVID going on. Um, but do you think that, re- like, considering the situation right now in Canada getting better, we could see more of, like, recreation and basketball picking up if things are are continuing to stay under control,
1: uh, I definitely hope so. I feel like that's a little bit past stage three, just because of all the contact that happens in basketball. Mm-hmm. As far as the, you mean just like like pickup games at indoor gyms and yeah. stuff like that, like, yeah. like
2: pickup games, like um, like intramural games. But then obviously, right. like have to look at like leagues and, and like the U Sport and the Ontario uh, College Athletic Association, so stuff like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I know U Sports has canceled um the first semester. Mm-hmm. There's no word on t- on winter yet, so we could get like the back half of a season for, for uh, any kind of university sports in the in the winter semester there. But as far as just pickup games, I feel like it'll likely be until we have a vaccine that you can start going to like your c- local community center and uh just playing pickup with a bunch of strangers. Uh, I haven't played basketball in like four months. I miss it dearly, but um, I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, it's it's the smart thing to do. I've been pretty happy with how our country's been handling things.
2: Oh, for sure, uh, yeah, compared to, yeah. You, uh, compared to other things. I don't know yeah. if Joey, Joey wants to segue this into uh, how certain leagues are handling this, uh, this we pandemic. Could, we
0: can get to that a little later on. I just want to yeah, yeah, we'll, stick to this stuff now. Yeah, I want to stick to the CEBL for a bit, kind of go back to it. I just want to like how how would you say the talent level is? Like, would you say it's like similar to college,
1: better than college? Like, what what would what would you say? Um, that's a pretty good question. I think honestly, I would compare it to not necessarily as exciting as NCAA Division One basketball, but you've got some you've got some guys there who. Are really talented basketball players who play professionally overseas, or are looking towards that, or just finished uh, just finished playing university basketball in Canada, which a lot of people don't know is is pretty high level. Like we just had um, the center on the Ryerson basketball team just transferred to Florida State, which is one of the top teams in uh, Division One NCAA basketball. So the talent level, I think, between Canadian and american university basketball isn't as drastic as a lot of people would think so the fact that in the cebl you have a bunch of U sports guys and even like i said the uh, thomas scrub and philip scrub who have played in the past with the canadian national team it's going to be a lot more competitive and a lot more i think exciting than than people would expect
2: So kind of to piggyback off of that, like I know the the CEBL is very much new. I think it's only like three years old uh, of it being running in Canada. Um, Like you mentioned, a lot of uh, Canadian basketball players going and and getting scholarships to play at, at American universities. Do you think that with, you know, things, once things obviously return to the norm that we're aware and accustomed of, do you see more Canadians maybe making that jump to playing, uh, you know, in college basketball in the United States? Or do you see maybe scouts looking more towards Canada as maybe drafting someone out of Canada instead of just having them make the jump to uh, to, to the NCAA, for example?
1: Well, that's a tough question because I think NCAA Division One basketball – is kind of the like the mecca where even though you have all these guys going overseas, it's still the majority of your five-star players, the majority of those kind of top players in North America are committing to places like Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, things like that because that's just, that's just the norm, I guess. And it's changing over now to where you see a lot of guys – playing professionally overseas, trying to get noticed where you can also be paid and you're playing against grown men. Um, But that competition and that, as Zion Williamson has said, that feeling of playing in front of a screaming crowd of students that all are so much more invested in, in that particular basketball game than a lot of overseas fans are. It's it's kind of unavoidable, I guess, to want to play in on that stage in front of all those people. So I think it's going to be hard to to kind of shift the norm from when you come out of high school and you're a top-rated prospect, you go straight into D1, NCAA at those one-and-done kind of schools, and then you're going straight to the league, as opposed to maybe if you're a Canadian, you stick around in U sports. And you get your degree there, and then if you play well enough, you can get noticed by scouts in the NBA. I think that's going to be hard and might take some time and some key players to kind of shift that mindset. Like we had uh, McCour Maker, just uh, he was the first player, first five-star prospect in decades I think to go to an HBCU straight out of high school and that's already he's he's setting a path for the other five-star prospects who want to go to HBCUs we need something like that in Canada where uh let's say like a Shea Gilgis Alexander like one of the top prospects coming out of a Canadian high school as opposed to to playing a year at a American prep school and then going straight to Kentucky let's say they kind of stick around in Canada, play Canadian high school in the OSBA, which is an incredible league, by the way. Um, and then going from the OSBA to a Canadian university and tr- doing their best to get noticed there is just kind of one of those things where you need someone to to be that first person to blaze that trail.
2: Right, for sure,
0: yeah. So uh, so how would you say that like leagues like, the CEBL and also the the National Basketball League of Canada, which is another Canadian base league. How would you say like leagues like that uh, like do for like the Canadian national team? Like,
1: how would they do for the Canadian national team?
0: Yeah, yeah well, like, well, like the whole like Canadian like basketball program in general. Like, mm-hmm. would you say that like it's been better since these leagues have been have been
1: introduced? I think it definitely has an effect. Yeah, because. Just like Vince Carter kind of started his own uh, basketball revolution in Canada, kind of shifting the mindset from us being a hockey country to to growing more young basketball fans, I think if we have something of our own, like the OSBA, like U Sports, and yeah, like the National Basketball League of Canada and the CEBL, it's something that young people, young athletes can look at and watch these games I'm not sure what the how they're being televised but if you are a young kid and you're watching Canadian basketball players play in a Canadian league you can think I want to grow up to be like them and that kind of shifts that whole mindset for our country to the point where you don't necessarily have to be a hockey fan you don't necessarily have to play hockey or soccer or whatever it is or you don't have to go to the states to be successful you can grow up right here in canada and follow your dreams and do what you love
2: yeah and that kind of segues into my question because like we saw of course winning at the professional level in a city or in this case like what the raptors did a country it shows a lot more interest and a lot more people wanting to pick up the sport of basketball or picking up the sport of, of of soccer like um like me and Joey mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like TFC had such a big impact on the the community with, with them winning and more people kind of tuning in. Um, how much do you think, like especially the Raptors victory uh, over a year ago, really made more people look and have eyes on these leagues? Like, okay, maybe there's something here and not just, you know, we have to just look at the States. Like how much do you think that, when and that success story, even transitioning into this year, really changed everybody's opinion and their their thoughts when it comes to basketball in Canada.
1: I think it's big because there's so many people who they have those dreams of going to NCAA, going to the NBA. And then as they get older, they kinda let those dreams fade a little bit because they don't believe that they're talented or athletic or Tall enough, let's say, to make it to the NBA, to make it to the states, but you have all these people who are so so talented, and they're staying right here in Canada. So you don't necessarily have to be seven foot two and uh, super athletic and an incredible shooter to to be able to play basketball professionally. You just have to, you know, work hard and stay in your lane and stay here in Canada. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have all those all those natural gifts that'll take you to the highest highest level. You can still play basketball professionally.
2: Right, for sure.
0: Uh, there's one thing I find really interesting about the CEBL tournament, and it's the way that they said that they're going to be ending the games. They're going to be using the Elam ending, which is basically just to put it simply. Um, after the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter, they set a target score, and the target score would be like plus nine points to whichever team is ahead. So, for example, if it's like seventy-one to, or if it's like eighty to seventy-one at that point, then the target score would be eighty-nine, and and whoever gets to the eighty-nine points first is the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so every game's ending on a basket. What what are your opinions on that ending? And do you think it's something that is that you will see more
1: often in especially these smaller um, basketball leagues? I think it's really cool because that's what that's what the All Star Game did. They set yeah. like a target score. Fourth quarter ends not on not at the buzzer, but at a certain certain score. So it ends on a bucket. Obviously, All Star Game ended on a free throw. Not exactly how we wanted to see that end. But leading up to that, every bucket counted. Everyone was putting in 100%, 150%. We saw Kyle Lowry taking charges. So doing that in actual games that have more importance than the All-Star Game, like the All-Star Game is really just for fun. But you saw guys giving it all they could. And this is, I mean, this is everything to these guys. This is a real tournament with real money and bragging rights and just complete pride I would say on the line pride in your team pride in your teammates pride in yourself um, on the line so I think it's gonna push these guys even harder especially in the fourth quarter to just give it their all um, so I'm really excited to see how it works out and yeah I think in these smaller leagues where they kind of have that newer leagues as well to kind of have that that kind of have that leeway to, to be able to make rules like this and implement rules like this. I think we can see it a lot more because I think it just gives that much more of a competitive edge to all the players on the floor.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely uh, more excited to see to see how these games are, especially like at the end of basketball games too. If it's like a bit of a blowout, it's just kind of stale. The games get exactly,
1: so,
0: yeah. So, so like this game here, at least like it's not over until until it's over kind of thing.
1: Exactly, yeah.
2: Yeah, and with, with the idea of tournaments, like I know we're seeing tournaments, and in, in, like we said in the, in the CBL league, they're doing a tournament which is different from their normal, uh, their normal, I guess you can like their their normal functions more or less. And we're seeing that with other leagues as well. Uh, the MLS is doing that, uh, their tournament-based thing. Do you think we're going to see more tournaments in opposed to leagues down the line, just because of the uh, the time frame being shorter?
1: for uh, a tournament's completion than a league. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, especially in, like you were saying, like smaller leagues, newer leagues, where they kind of have that freedom to, to change it from a tournament to a league. Like the NBA, if the NBA did that, it's, it's anarchy. Like it's kind of hard to change a league that's been around for however many years and has such a big fan base, such a dedicated fan base. But, like, newer leagues, especially, like, CEBL, things like that, I think it would be interesting to see how that works out because every game matters. It's not like regular season, you lose a game, it's like, oh, well. Tournament setting, you you lose a game, you're done. So it's, I think, again, just like with the thing Joey was talking about, the rule where it ends on a bucket, if it's a tournament setting, everyone's going to be pushing themselves that much more um, because if you lose a game, that's it. So I think it'll be interesting. I I would love to see that more often. Yeah.
2: For sure. Yeah. Um. So from that point, um, I I, I kind of have a personal question about the uh, about obviously the NBA's return to play, but more so for next year. Um, if say things are not normal and potentially in a worse state than they are right now if the the league decides to continue in stage games would you prefer maybe seeing it in more of like a tournament-esque uh, format instead of opposed to a league or would you maybe just want it to continue with the way that it's always been where you play say 82 games or you know over 85 86 games and then you
1: have your playoffs after that mm-hmm yeah it's it's I think kind of all dependent on on whether or not there's a vaccine in the nBA who's who's pretty much already officially kind of set in stone that there will be no fans uh, for the 2020, 2020 2021 season right uh, So that kind of pushing a season to eighty two games plus playoffs with no fans, I think it would be hard for players to stay motivated, honestly. Um, I mean, I I played lots of games with no fans, just like literally kids' kids parents in the stands, um, and it still feels competitive, but NBA players who are used to having tens of thousands of people in the audience and that kind of egging a lot of players on, especially like LeBron feeds off the crowd, Dame Lillard feeds off the crowd, especially in crunch time. Um, and here in Canada, I mean, in Toronto, we've got one of the best crowds in the league. So I think it would be hard for players to stay motivated throughout an 82 game season spanning what, like six, seven months uh, yeah. from like October to June, really. So eight months even. Um, so I think it would be not ideal to to have no fans and then also have an 82 game regular season. Uh, so I think it's an interesting point that you brought up about maybe pushing it to a tournament setting that's. Is a bit more compact, uh, doesn't span as much time, and each game has more importance than they would in the regular season.
2: Yeah, because um, like me and Joey talked about this on our other um, with our other friends uh, that we recorded with, and we were talking about how if things were to return, you know, okay, obviously, you know in, in hockey and basketball sense, they are already pretty started, you know, you can wrap it up like I'm sure both leagues are going to do right now. But for a league like you know MLS and, and the M- and uh, and the MLB, mm-hmm. I would love to see a tournament where instead of say you know ba- like baseball, you play normally six months. You know maybe have it like a two month tournament and then have you know thirty teams in there. And I know and also you know God forbid if there's an outbreak, you know you could just end the tournament there. And I know that it's probably not in the CBA and there's probably a lot of things that we need to go into it but i think during times like this like like you said like if, if there's no crowd like players without a doubt are going to end up playing are they're going to end up questioning like what am i doing here like and i guarantee you they'll probably ask their coaches to sit out a certain number of games because they can just sit on the sidelines and get paid but i think personally like with with tournaments and whatnot we could see some things uh, turn for the better, but um, I, I just don't know what to do at this point point. like, how to evaluate
1: this as a fan. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely unprecedented times, so I, I don't blame you for not knowing how to proceed because, really, nobody, including league commissioners and executives and players and coaches, none of us really know how to proceed, so... For sure, yeah. Like, this is honestly unprecedented. No one's ever been through something like this in a sports league before so it's tough to see how we're going to proceed next season yeah yeah like it's def- definitely weird too like i've been watching the mls
0: tournament without fans there it's definitely weird especially in soccer when you have like those supporter sections and all that and we're just like chanting throughout the entire duration of the match it's
1: it's very it's very weird to to see yeah that's the thing about soccer man is like the mm-hmm. the crowd is loud from start to finish
0: yeah mm-hmm. like, i don't know like if you've ever been to a tfc game but i've actually been like seated in that in that supporter section and it is wild
1: yeah exactly so that's that's tough especially with those those stadiums shaped and like kind of designed the way they are it's so like kind of crucial for players to have that noise i feel like because they've gotten used to it and they kind of feed off of that so yeah,
0: yeah for sure yeah, anyway, to bring, like, no, go ahead. To bring things back to uh to basketball, more the the Toronto Raptors. Just um before we start um, start playing in a couple weeks, just how do you think uh they're gonna? What are your expectations for the Raptors once the once the season starts up again?
1: Uh, first of all, my biggest concern is that the season isn't gonna start up again because everyone yeah. testing positive. We only had a couple players. I think yesterday we tested positive, Russell Westbrook being one of them, but already, like, half the Nets players sitting out is like, yeah. how, how are they going <laughs> to... Yeah, they, gonna... they might have to, like, just... Yeah. Oh, and then,
2: like too. Yeah, I do like what an MLS did, where, where Dallas and Nashville had to pull out because they had several players that were
1: affected. Yeah, and then Disney World opening back up. Like, that's that's supposed to be the NBA's bubble, and I'm sure they still will have a bubble where, where uh, like, tourists aren't allowed to go. But, I don't know, That's, it's, it's very sketchy, it's very, uh, it's honestly at this point for me it's difficult to see the season actually happening. But, uh, as for your first question, I, I honestly have high, high hopes for the Raptors. Uh, before the season had started, I was like a lot of other people, very doubtful. Um, I wasn't like the people who were saying we were going to be the 8th seed or not even make the playoffs. Um, I knew we would still have a team with Pascal, Kyle... And obviously Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse being the best coach in the league, getting the most out of his all of his players. Like we saw the emergence of Terrence Davis Jr. Uh, undrafted rookie um, and Matt Thomas. I mean, Chris Boucher, guys like that I've, all stepping up. I've, when I've the,
0: really know. liked sorry, not to cut you off, but oh, I've really God. liked how how Hollis Jefferson fit into the lineup because I yes. wasn't sure about him after we signed. Him, but anyways. yeah,
1: 100%. he's been a good piece. He's been a really good piece for us. Um, which even yeah ties back to Nick Nurse just kind of knowing how his players fit in and knowing how to, how to utilize their skill sets to the point where he can make a championship contender, I think, out of a team that people didn't expect to make the playoffs. Um, so I think, yeah, I think our ceiling is the finals. I, I have a hard time seeing us, seeing the Raptors sorry beat whoever comes out the West like the Lakers or the Clippers, that would be, that would be a tough series for sure. Um, I think my fantasy is we beat the Clippers. Kawhi's like, oh man, I never should have left. Uh, Toronto goes crazy, virtual parade, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are definitely a couple teams that scare me out East. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be a battle to make it out of the Eastern Conference. But I think we can do it if we are, first of all, healthy. And also if we if we really just like play at a hundred percent. Yeah,
0: for sure. I feel the same way. I feel like, like this is kind of cliche, but never underestimate the heart of a champion. For sure. Yeah. I know we have heard that a billion times this season, but, but you can't say true, truer words.
1: No, I agree. I agree for sure. We've, we still, we're still on top. So
2: yeah, we're exactly. once NBA champions exactly. as of, as yeah. exactly. So kind of, bridging off into like once the season ends, which whether it's premature or at its full completion going into the off season, it's going to be really odd because a lot of players and a lot of free agency is not going to be, obviously it's not going to start on time because it would have happened by now, but now obviously we're in the middle of July and we're going to look like we're going to see free agency in in all sports going into uh, late September, early October. Um, for a lot of leagues, but what do you think about, especially with looking at this Raptors team, with a lot of players uh, due up at the end of the year, you know, Ibaka, Gasol, um, and as well as many others, do you see, and I know this is kind of going to be a biased question, but do you see the situation that is going on right now in the United States? And if you're a player, does this maybe increase your chances and your likelihood of saying, okay, maybe I should stay in canada because for years we've seen players you know come here you know hate it and then they end up leaving and doing other things like the most like like the most obvious example i could think about is chris bosh because like he i think he went on like a radio show like a couple weeks before the raptors i think won the playoffs and they were like yeah nobody wants to come here because like there's the tax situation there's not that much customs." he
0: complained about
2: yeah customs was really big and all this other stuff, but now, with the way that you're seeing, obviously, with with the pandemic, and you have kind of, like, the the better of two sides here, do you see maybe players, and even management, like, I know Masai Ujiri, there was the whole rumor of him maybe going to the Wizards, maybe going (laughs) to this franchise and whatnot, does this increase their chances to stay? Like, I I just want to know this from a fan's perspective, like, do you think yeah you could run it back, more so and especially with maybe a reduced salary for
1: players. Uh I think it would if I were a player it would sway me to to either come to or stay in Toronto um because I think it's been a lot safer here um and not only that like obviously this pandemic as a whole we've been handling really well as a as a country and as a province here in Ontario um but I think that Obviously, outside of the pandemic, we just won a championship. All of our players seem to be really happy playing in our system. I think Nick Nurse is going to win coach of the year. I think Masai Ujiri has been the best executive in the league for the past couple seasons. So all of these things are, are, I think, really attractive, make our city really attractive where it kind of, in the past hasn't been because we were not a winning team we didn't have a steady coach or steady executives um and it it's cold that's i think one of the biggest things that that takes people away from toronto is a lot of people just say why would you why would you go to toronto when you can play in miami where it's you know warm tropical all year round or you can play in la or here or there dallas wherever um but at the same time i think people in this country you have a whole country supporting you people in this country love the raptors that championship gained us a whole bunch of new fans um, which is a whole another topic on its own uh and then obviously like all the things i said coach of the year best executive in the league and and players kind of brag about how much they love it here like terrence davis is always talking about how much he loves it here Kyle Lowry very clearly loves it here. It grew on him. Uh, he didn't love it at first. And then even if you look at DeMar DeRozan, he never wanted to leave. He loved it here. He was the first like star player who was like, I love it in Toronto. So I think all of those factors combined make this city, Toronto, uh, like a really attractive free agency destination.
0: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of DeMar DeRozan... I remember seeing rumblings. I don't know if these are actual rumors or just fans being fans. Hmm. But I've seen that. Oh, maybe Demar will come back and sign with us in the when he's a free agent, which I believe is this year, if not the year after. Yeah, um,
2: I think it's this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Dick, do you, do you see any possibility of of being reunited, or is that bridge burned?
1: Uh, I don't think it would happen. Uh, he and Masai, I know, have like a very rocky relationship right now just because of not everything that happened, but how it happened. Uh, he felt disrespected. He felt like Masai didn't, didn't tell him anything. Um, he felt like he was lied to, whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love at some point to have Demar back in Toronto. I just don't know how he would fit in here with our new system and... I mean, we just, we weren't winners when he was here, which is what scares me yeah. is what happens when he comes back. And he, I mean, he did have a great season this year. He was shooting like above 50% uh, from the field, I believe. But I don't know. It's just, it's kind of hard to, to imagine how we would look if he was back in our system. Uh, well, but how,
0: I did, how I, go ahead. How I personally, how I, I personally saw DeMar was, he would be like a great compliment piece or a great like second mm-hmm. like a great um uh, like second piece but he can't be your team's number one if you want to get to the to the championship that's yeah. just how I saw him.
1: yeah I agree I think if he was willing to to play second fiddle or even third to to Pascal and maybe another star or, or even Kyle Lowry I think at this point in their careers could be a better second piece than DeMar DeRozan um Mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to see how he how he fits in if he can put that uh, you know star mentality aside and and play second fiddle to Pascal Siakam. Uh, but I would I would love I'd love to see Demar Derozan at least retire in Toronto. I still have so much love for him because of what everything he did for our city and and the love mm-hmm. as well that he had for our city. So
2: yeah, to me, it's kind of like. If you were to bring back a uh, Demar Derozan, it would kind of be like at the twilight of his career, where mm. he's kind of like the the older guy. He he comes back, or you know decides to come back if, if things are different. Uh, I know he would most likely be open to a reunion, mainly from a player standpoint, just because like a lot of the roster was here when he when he was initially, you know, a part of the teams that ended up going to be good, but not quite as good as, as the team that is now. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, you don't really know if he would fit in this roster. Like, you know, there's just so much depth and so much talent. Like, considering that there's small, like, like OG Ananobili is going to be, the, like, one of the best young players for this team defensively. You have Fred Van Fleet, who you have to commit to, like, you already committed to Pascal. You have so many other players like Powell, Abaka, etc. And you also have guys like Chris Boucher who's going to come up and, and try and fight for a spot here. So it's almost like, yeah, out of convenience, it's not going to work. I don't know where DeMar is going to go. He's not going back to San Antonio because I don't think Pop and him get along, which, to be fair, that's kind of the status quo with a lot of players with Pop. They're not really gelling well with his system but like I think he's gonna it's gonna be one of those things where he'll end up staying and he'll end up coming back to the Eastern Conference but uh I don't know what's gonna happen in regards to maybe him coming back the only way I could see it happening like knock on wood I hope to God it doesn't happen is if either you move one of your guys which I think Messiah is probably gonna be like I don't need to trade anybody right now or if God forbid somebody gets hurt or Or whatnot but this team this team even when hurt is still top five in the league
1: yeah I agree it's very very deep that uh that comeback we had against the Mavericks was ridiculous 30 30 points down in the third late in the third quarter and we had what no Pascal no Marc Gasol in that game I believe
2: yeah and the fact that you did that without you know players that are huge
1: is just goes to show you the mindset with this team. Yeah. Next man up mentality. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's ready to go. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Chris Boucher, even Malcolm Miller, all played big, big roles in that comeback. So that was, no, nah, that was great to see.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Any final questions you got, Matt?
2: Um, not that I could come up with. Um, well, okay, I have one, but I don't know how how smart this would be, say <laughs> the pandemic, you know, say once a vaccine is available and widely uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Widely available? Accessi- Yeah. Widely accessible to, to residents of Canada. We already heard that two thirds of the population want to get vaccinated. Do you believe, I know this is going to be unfair to our, you know, friends south of the border. Do you believe that there's a chance that fans could come back in a sense of coming to Toronto w- once they're all vaccinated, once po- you know people do have antibodies and they do combat this virus? Are fans going to come back in Toronto quicker and more, you know, more controlled and executed than the states in your opinion? It's kind of a weirdly structured question, but no, like,
1: I, I, I get what you mean. So, like, if if we get a vaccine and we can make it more widely available quicker than the states, would Raptors fans be able to attend games in person before the NBA teams?
2: Yeah, and also like obviously the the willingness to get vaccinated because I mean not to take a jab at our friends south of the border, but a lot of them are (laughs) not not (laughs) down to get uh, vaccinated,
1: which I still don't understand why. 'Cause um, half the people half the people down there think it's fake.
2: Yeah, exactly. And also <laughs> They're I think putting
1: chips in you.
2: <laughs> and I think personally exactly. like and also kinda like to to bring this back to the athletes' perspective, do you think that the athletes are gonna have a say if they want to get vaccinated or not? Or do you think it's gonna be kind of like the whole entire league is gonna be put up to a vote and then if a majority wants the vaccine, then they'll distribute it accordingly or they'll kind of have it like you can opt out similar to kind of like the return to play
1: plan. Yeah. I think that's how they would do it. Like if, if you don't want to get vaccinated, you can't play type thing. Um, yeah. We saw lots of players opt out of the season uh, for various reasons. Uh, but I think to have a someone who's not vaccinated Uh, in front of a whole bunch of fans where you don't know if they're vaccinated or not and certain players who might not be vaccinated spread to their families however you want to like a player who's not vaccinated has it player who is not also not vaccinated doesn't have it but they spread and they spread through their families and through fans and whatnot it could be the cause of a whole nother outbreak so I think you can't really have people who aren't vaccinated playing um, but at the same time you can't force anyone to get vaccinated. so I'm, I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll work it out somewhere to the to the similarity of, of how they've been playing the season so far.
2: yeah it's just it's one of those things where it's like you know as much as I want sports to come back, it's like I'm kind of empathetic to the players because I wouldn't want to play in front of nobody. I'd rather have fans there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, especially like once a few games are played and say fans or players are still kind of not sold on the idea, the league will come up with something creative. And, you know, I think potentially you could see uh, leagues lamenting and saying, okay, we'll have, you know, fans in a small capacity. Like I know in Japan, Um, They're allowing fans at baseball games, but only 5,000, and then of course, obviously, socially distanced throughout the uh, the stadium and with masks. But in my head, I'm just thinking North America will not lament to that idea at all. Because
1: I don't think we're ready for it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because like, like even in Canada, like I'm like I'm impressed, obviously, with the way that things are going. But you know, there's always going to be those. I, I don't know what word to to describe those who are not for health. Joey, I don't know if you can have a word to to, to describe them.
0: Describe what people exactly? Like anti-vaxxers?
2: Anti-vaxxers <laughs> and protesters of lockdowns and... Mass- well, they, they
0: like to call themselves truthers, so I guess that means we can call them that.
2: <laughs> What's the... I, I know for for several middle-aged women the the one is karen Mm what's the what's the male equivalent one of my friends said kevin
1: yeah i've heard that
2: or like carter or something like that like i think kevin
0: suits it better
2: yeah kind of like the those type of demographics that are gonna preach the the word of how they read on one buzzfeed article that masks are are horrible or whatever yeah I, I don't know. It, it's a weird time, and I can at least say that at least we have more sane people in our country than insane reactionary
1: people. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, yeah, but I'm uh, I'm I. Uh, I guess I have one more question. If you win an NBA championship,
1: how do you celebrate it? <laughs> That's I was actually just talking about that with a couple of my friends just yesterday. Yeah, and because,
2: yeah, go for it. Say, say your thoughts.
1: No, on. it's just it's it's tough. There's really no answer. I think you could just celebrate with your team in the locker room. I think there's really no way you can organize another because that parade last year. I know you went, Joey. I was there as well, um, and it was absolutely like no breathing room, uh, which was, was great. Insane. It was awesome. Crazy. To see. It was insane. <laughs> in uh,
2: hindsight, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, to have something like that now obviously is a terrible decision um so it's i think interesting to see how they'll do it i know obviously once you win celebrate with your team in the locker room have that whole thing but uh i have no clue how how they would go about having like an official parade type celebration or how they would replace the parade
2: yeah and also like like even for the players perspective like you can't go out to like a club you can't go party in vegas you can't do a lot of this stuff because of because of this pandemic and i think that's kind of why some players are opting out because they're like i kind of don't want to play if there's no point to celebrate like i could but yeah. i i don't know it's one of those things where i'm kind of like you know like me and joey were talking about this like a week or two ago like in, in, in a hockey's perspective like You know, once they hand out the Stanley Cup, like you skate around, you can't kiss the cup because God
1: knows (laughs) who else would have had it. And like you can't do
2: the same thing with the, with the L O B, and you can't do all this other stuff. So it's going to be like weird to see this. And also like you also have to play under the, the assumption that players won't get sick because of this, because like we're seeing like people partying. And then, like two weeks later, they're just like on a ventilator, essentially, and it's—we don't want that to happen. So, I—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really weird. We're—we're we're in a weird time. We if are. If, yeah. if anyone wants yeah. to write a book now, <laughs> everyone's gonna skip this chapter because they're gonna say this sucked. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I got all my questions out of the way. Joey, do you have one?
0: uh no i'm i'm good so uh so ben you want to plug your stuff
2: <laughs> yeah
1: chill your stuff and your talents <laughs> all right it's uh okazawa ben on twitter and uh hit up crownhoops.com where joey and i are both writers um but other than that that's it for me uh thank you guys for having me that was good
2: yeah thank you you're always for coming on on yeah, we can always shoot the shit whenever.
1: For sure, appreciate it, guys.
2: Yeah, alrighty. You uh, you take care. You stay safe out there, and. Uh,
0: Me and Matt will be back with more right after this.
2: For sure, yeah. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. <laughs> um, special thanks to Ben again for coming on the show and talking about basketball and the basically basketball outside, which is very interesting. Uh, think uh what was it The C- C- e- B- L? can yep. it, I believe yep uh and others uh follow ben and ok- okazawa ben on twitter uh you can read all the stuff on crown hoops all the fun stuff and my uh, stuff too oh yeah for sure um speaking of fun stuff should we should we dive into hockey stupidity again because i feel like that's a that's a normal thing with us
0: yeah this is some uh some fresh stuff that's Yes.
2: So so the CBA uh, has been extended, which first of all, huge news and a big win, I think, for the game standpoint.
0: Oh no, it's fantastic. Avoided another
2: lockout. Yeah, because like I think, (laughs) pandemic aside, I think we were kind of leaning towards like slowly another lockout, but thankfully, you know, uh, you know, Bettman, Daly, and Fear they got the deal done i think the pandemic really got people to you know move quicker and also kind of biting the bullets on several things like you know the idea of playing uh in the olympics and one thing that i heard that was really interesting is people are saying that this might be Bettman and uh and Fears' last uh cba that they've had together because they're both kind of itching towards retirement years which makes sense um but anyway, some silly stuff. So, first of all, the CBA's got some great details. I'm not gonna deny that. Like, I have a couple of the details actually up uh, that were they were the expected details. But one detail that apparently came out because apparently this is a huge problem for the whole league, and the whole league had to complain about it. And let me read the tweet. This is from Account for Hockey, which is a great follow. Especially when looking at uh, paraphrasing radio quotes, so he said. Elliot Friedman today says that the CBA, well, it says it on Sportsnet 590, by the way, says that with the new CBA, one thing that changed was that other teams saw how Toronto kept their facilities open during past off seasons for players and prospects to train. But other teams didn't like it, or other teams didn't like it and felt it was unfair. So now they can't anymore. I mean, OK, well, I know I know you're probably going to chime in on this, too. Can't. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why can't why can't you keep your facility open?
0: I wonder who the teams are that
2: Ottawa's definitely complained
0: one. about it, because if it comes Ottawa. out that any of those teams, if it comes out that it's any of those teams who are like near the cap floor or like can barely afford their own team in the Leafs, indirectly step in to pay the salaries of their players, then they just shut the fuck up.
2: I feel like um, so just to just to dive into your point here, I think we already know that Eugene Melnick was one of the ones that complained because let's face it, he, oh, for would, sure. he would be the one to complain. I'm trying to like look at all the other teams and see who would complain. I want to say that Jeff Wilson and Mark Bergevin would complain, um, but I think Montreal. No, but
0: they can. No, Montreal can easily keep their facility open too, so I don't think they would have.
2: I think to be completely honest, it's Ottawa and a lot of American teams. Because Edmonton, they have their facility open year round, to my knowledge. It could it could be wrong. Um same thing. I have it it was probably the Americans. And I hate to be prejudiced because I know that we have an American fan base, but like, come on. Like let's call a spade a spade here. Like you're gonna mm-hmm. tell me that the Florida Panthers who, by the way, are a complete shit show on their own when they literally ran Chris Pronger out the door, who was going to be their next GM, by the way, reportedly, but apparently not against it, or the franchise is against it, I should say. And like, you mean to tell me that Florida would keep their facilities open year-round because everyone wants to play hockey in Florida in the summer? Like the and the only reason why they have the facilities open is mainly for players to rehab injuries, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, it's basically if players want to come in and uh, practice or rehab, they can do that. Now it's like, well, you're on your own kid. Uh, Yeah,
0: like, it's so – like, it makes no sense. The NHL is the only league in North America that you have absolutely zero benefit at all to generating the most revenue for the league. Like, you can't name another team that generates more revenue. Like, could you imagine if the MLB said to the New York Yankees, oh, you can't use your facility during the offseason, or to the LA Lakers, you can't use your facilities during the offseason. You know how crazy that would be?
2: And what's funny is that, and I hate to sound sound biased in that way and be a homer, but people want to say that the league favors Toronto, and it always has, and this is their way of cutting back and saying, oh, they can't use... This never have that the Leafs have never been super duper privileged. Like, okay, they have the most money in the league, they have a very lavish lifestyle, I guess you could say. But ever since, like, the team went through the whole restructure of you know, Shanahan bringing in new personnel and why not, from my recollection, I haven't really seen entitlement with this league, I've just seen the league kind of crippling them. It's, and it's almost like they're sad. they're trying they're trying too hard
0: to not give the Leafs any bias that they're just di- disadvantaging them any chance they get just to be like oh look nothing to see here there's no there's no bias given
2: yeah and it's it's getting to the point right now where you you can't even deny it like I think what it is is that Gary Bettman gets pushed around a lot and he eventually laments to this. And he feels like, okay, Toronto already has X, Y, and Z. If I take away Y, they'll still have X and Z, so it's fine. But, like, the thing is is that this league and this organization hasn't done anything, like, outlandish to the point where they would need to be, like, stripped of these, you know, these privileges in comparison to, like, every Major League Baseball team that we all know half of them have been probably cheating in some way, shape, and form. For the next several or for the last several years, cue the Red Sox, Yankees and Astros coming at me. Sorry, Luke. Um, But it's just it's getting to the point where, you know, they figure, oh, well, Toronto's like our New York. Everyone wants to go there. Everyone wants to play there. So, you know, we can't make them feel entitled and make them feel like, oh, if you go there, you can have this, this and this. Like, I get it. You want to try to have an even playing field. How about instead of punishing one team, you say, okay, how about we extend more things and be like, okay, you can have facilities open for every NHL team at your desire. And also, can't the owners just say, okay, if you guys want to open the facility, we open the facility. Like, do owners have no power? Like,
0: every single owner in the NHL can afford to keep it open during the offseason, too. They just don't want to spend the money.
2: Yeah, and and another thing is that, you know, like I said, in the warm climates, like the California's, like the Vegas's, like the Floridas, no one's going to be practicing during the offseason. Unless, like, September for training camp. Like, you're going to penalize a team that wants to you know, practice and, and rehab injuries for players that have had off season surgery. Like, like, I don't get it. And we see videos. all or Even
0: to go like, just to go like work out. Like, could you imagine a Leafs player now being like, well, I don't got a gym to work out at now. Cause they got, they go to like a good life or something. Like they're not going to get anything done. Yeah. A bunch of them live in condos where they have to share the gym and we won't get anything done. That's like the one place they had to like work out.
2: Yeah, like I understand, like, you know, maybe they feel like, oh, they can get an advantage or whatever. But it's like, no, you can't. And also, keep in mind, you do the, the locker room cleanouts at the end of the season, and then the media scrummages and then whatever. And then afterwards, after you, you know, you get it and, and whatnot, then you basically enter at your own convenience and then you have to converse with everybody like i still don't get the idea and what's funny is that people are saying that you know people are getting mad because oh toronto's the center of the universe and hockey da, da, da. this is why it's the center of the universe because everyone wants to pick on them like you no,
0: know, there's there's fan bases that are obsessed with us
2: i know and okay yes there are some things that i understand why but like it's so minor the fact that we're we're still talking about stuff that that have happened over the over the last while and this is just another you know thing to notch onto the badge like like why are we gonna go ahead and talk about the fact that you know the Arizona coyotes apparently had some issue with uh with tampering with prospects at the the combine. Are we gonna forget that they did that? I don't.
0: What they, they do, they lost, like, a couple late round.
2: Yeah. Are, are we going to forget that the Devils signed Julia right. Kobolchuk to an illegal contract, which he then opted out a year after he signed the friggin' thing? Are we going to forget that friggin' war mm-hmm. controversy happened? There's another one that, that that skips my head right now. Um. There's one that I'm forgetting.
0: Well, one thing before this came up today about the facilities, a few days ago there was a video of the Leafs playing like a scrimmage and they brought in refs to ref the game. You know, makes sense. You want to mimic the NHL like intensity or whatever as much as you can in like these scrimmages or as best as you can. So they got refs in and then other teams got upset at that. There's – there's fucking beer leagues who have refs. You're telling me you can't find a ref to pay, like, what, what do they get? Like, 15 bucks an hour or whatever? Just now, now to, to play go and, like,
2: ref, like, ref your games? An like, NHL franchise can't do that? But the play advocate, I think the reason why people were upset is because of, of the pandemic and the fact that, you know, because certain teams are trying to practice right now, uh, especially in their home facilities, and a lot of them are stateside, and considering the United States is on fire, they figure, oh, you're going to be putting them more at risk and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I get that. But if it's approved by, you know, I'm sure every decision that the team has or the teams make, they have to talk to health professionals because they're like, OK, we don't want to risk the season shutting down. But, you know, it, it's weird because like I'm sure like there's going to be refs in Toronto, like the, the league divvied up you know x amount of refs go to toronto x amount of refs go to uh alberta and edmonton which by what we know right now the oilers basically are living in a i i guess an indoor pool now because the uh facility yeah, they're gonna
0: have to go back to vancouver
2: no because apparently the the healthcare or not the healthcare, the head of uh Department of Health in BC is so strict if they get like five or ten cases in the league they're gonna, they're gonna be like, no no, we don't want that shit, like get it out of there that's the reason why Vancouver pulled out and thankfully I would say that, you know I'm glad that the league pulled out of, of Vegas because holy Jesus, the states is bad like yeah, I it's not good I think to be completely honest, the league locked out, or lucked out with a lot of things. Like they lucked out with uh, the hub cities. They locked out with the the environments and whatnot. And even still, like the teams are also like, from what I understand, fairly healthy given the circumstances. Because we already know if a if a player's deemed, quote-unquote, unfit to play, like, you're only going to speculate one thing in that yeah. sense, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's a strange... It's a strange time. And I think, realistically, hockey can get it done. And we're going to see games in, like, what, less than three weeks, because there's going to be some some exhibition games. Like, you Nick, Honestly, I think...
0: Call me crazy, because usually the NHL is so far behind on all of this. But honestly, I think the NHL has the best plan of any one of the
2: returning sports leagues in North America. They, and again, they kind of lucked out because they realized, hey, we have a Canadian market that is booming and under control. Let's go out and you know go there. Because not only is it a smaller country in terms of, you know, population, but it's also a country that is, you know, used to and has the infrastructure to run the sport. Like, I know Vegas has the new facility and whatnot, but... Can you stop yawning? Holy shit. Hey, Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's It's a bad, it's a long day. Um... And I think what we really need, to real- that really need to realize, I don't even know what the hell I'm saying, um, but the bigger picture is like, yeah, the, the league has the best return to play plan is because months ago it was like, oh, okay, hockey, or, um, basketball and, and MLS, they're going to be playing in Florida. Baseball can do their spring training sites. There's not that many people there. Uh whatnot, they can play with limited fans if things get better, blah, blah 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 And now it's just like please for the love of God get me the hell out of the United States of America. Like it's, yeah. it's almost and also, every like, state is getting like, uh, is a, a rising is that, cases. Do we want to talk about how pissed off Matthews was at the at the leaked uh news?
0: About uh sure. our
2: good buddy at the sun? Oh no, yeah, good Steve Simmons. Steve Simmons um which first of all there is a there's journalistic integrity with things of this nature right like can we just For say sure. this, can we just say that this year has been a lot of really scrummy journalism
0: yeah especially like
2: right like i
0: took cause in my journalism program first year we took a class called um media law and ethics and I can speak to this, like what Simmons did was a lot of people were saying it's illegal what he did. It's like, no, it's not illegal. He technically is protected because he's a journalist to be able to go in and find that information himself. The thing is, though, we've learned that that crosses an ethical line. If if Steve Simmons were to go he's to say he found that information and he went through Austin Matthews agent and said, hey, I found this out. Do I have permission from him to post his name along with it? And then if Austin Matthew said, yeah, sure, whatever, like through his agent or whatever, and then he did it, that would have been perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he just went behind his back and just – and even like it was some scrummy like – I don't know if you remember the tweet that he sent out with it. It was like all like capitalized and like the sun exclusive with like stars around it and stuff, and it's like – Dog, it's almost someone's
2: health here. Like that's not necessary at all. Let me let me see if I can find it here. I'm gonna keep scrolling. But like the one thing that I'm gonna compare it to, which is pretty much actually is the tweet even still there? I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see if it's still there. Yeah. No, it, because he's been doubling down on it. It has yeah, to be there. Okay, here's the. T- it says post media exclusive. Austin Matthews is tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, did you hear that? yeah I saw that motorcycle in the background.
0: oh my god people hey, put in this you neighborhood live it
2: on. this is normal um, It's like they don't know that I'm trying to record a podcast i mean i i, I relate to that like i have <laughs> i I feel like now is just friggin street driving hours yeah but yeah okay, so let me just we'll, we'll just go one and two there and then I'll relate mm-hmm. what this see so yeah, I said post media exclusive in all caps. Austin Matthews tested positive for COVID 19. And then afterwards he puts my breaking story with a semicolon. So it's literally saying that. It's he, all sensationalized. The best is when you look at all of the responses, is literally nobody everyone's condemning him. And then you just see you see one guy saying I call better. <laughs> because because <laughs> why? Why not? And this guy's a safe Stop making everything – okay, never mind. I don't want to embarrass the guy. And then the tweet after that, which he tweeted approximately – yeah, he tweeted the day after on the 20th. It's been reported. It's been verified. Why are so many members of hockey media closing their eyes and pretending the Austin Matthews story didn't happen? It happened, much like it happened to Ezekiel Elliott, and nobody ignored that story. Privacy for one and not the other. So, remember what you said, like, literally two minutes ago about, you know, going through people's agents? Didn't they just do that with Ezekiel Elliott?
0: Yeah, I remember when the story broke, it said confirmed by his agent.
2: Yes. You need to have confirmation because the players are represented by somebody. Very rarely are the players represented by themselves. Unless you're Drew Doughty and you talk I was about just it every single time. Dude, that guy's a killer negotiator. Apparently, next every- time.
0: Every That's time him. he's in Toronto,
2: oh, I negotiate my own contract. You know that. <laughs> hey, did you know I make eleven million. I make eleven and a half million dollars. To just, oh no, it's just eleven. You know I make eleven million dollars, just basically be a pile on these days. Life's pretty good, man. I got my two cups. I'm I'm living pretty. I'm living in L.A. Always
0: in Toronto when he says that too. Hey, he knows. Smart guy. Anyways.
2: Also, contract's are gonna run until he's thirty-eight. By the yep. way. Or or no, yeah, no, thirty-nine. I think. Because he's going to be – because he's 30 now. He's going to be 31 in December. So, fun. Uh, but anyway, um, again, you players and, and even people, like, you see all the time when, when a story happens in, in the news, like CP24 or I don't want to say the American version of that because it's, it's bullshit. Um, but it's always the story is developing. We're going to get you more details as time goes on, or a perfect example of something that was even more disgusting that happened months before that feels like a distant memory. Did anybody remember when TMZ reported Kobe Bryant died?
0: Yeah, before, like, the family and all that. Before,
2: yeah, before the family knew, and then they had the nerve to say, oh, all of his kids died, and they said, no, only one of his kids died. Like,
0: then it was like, oh, no, never mind. The kid didn't die. Oh, wait, actually, yeah, Gianna did die.
2: Yeah, and it's like it's so stupid
0: that was a terrible day for
2: journalism it is and and what sucks is that tmz and also they did the same thing with with kim jong-un saying he died yeah so it's like people are just reactionary right now like and i think what it all comes down to is is journalists are so bored especially on the the entertainment scene and and the sports scene if something's not if something's astronomical they want to break that story like asap because if they break it asap then they'll be like, oh, man, you know, look at all the clicks I'm going to get. My my publicist is going to love this. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing is, is that, yeah, I understand that. But at least do it the proper way. And I know it's a pain in the ass. Be,
0: be ethical with it. Yeah. But then and, again, like, whatever. And, it's the it's, go, it's, it's the Toronto Sun, so they yeah, I ethics out the door long
2: ago. Yeah, what's even sadder... Is that well? Sadder is not really a word, but it's even more sad. Is that it's the Toronto Sun? Like I'm sorry, but nobody necessarily reads magazines or newspapers as much as they used to anymore. A lot of it's digital, mm-hmm. and the fact that you you know you're trying to you know take that step four of relevance for something incredibly private and personal and, and Dubis. I don't know if you've heard of the interview on Tim and Sid with Dubas, but he sounded very annoyed. And it, it takes a lot for, for... – Well, because Steve
0: Simmons is going to run another star out of town.
2: Yeah. Like he ran – who was the one that he ran before? Was it Matt Kessel. Yeah. So – and the thing is – and what's funny is that first of all, they're both Americans. So you can make the argument that he's prejudiced towards Americans, but I don't think he is. And second of all – I think he's just a shitty journalist. Yeah. And what was funny was the day after that, that or it was I think two days after the the article was, was sent out and and everyone was calling him a jackass and an idiot. They played the clip of Brian Burke um, during his resignation uh, press conference, and he was saying like the one one thing that I'm going to be happy about Steve is I don't have to hear from you ever again. <laughs> like he's like burke just does not give like a I, I am
0: shocked as to how he still has like credentials to like be that close with the team especially like after I'm, all the shit he's caused. yeah like, if you know I'm, all those rumors about toronto media being this this and that you can track all of that back to steve simmons
2: i feel like it's mostly him because a lot of different members of the media like a lot of the tsn reporters that are in media scrums like pierre lebron Uh, He's not
0: really, he's more of an in-studio guy, but like Mark Masters and like... Yeah,
2: Mark Masters, respectable you know, reporter. Kyle Bukakis, how are we saying his name? Kyle Bukakis is a sweetheart and a gem to talk
0: to. Seems like a really nice guy, I never met him. He
2: he is a very, very nice man. Um, Oh, and Paul Hendrick was an absolute Paul Paul Hendrick is a perfect example. Dude, Paul Hendrick is, I think if you were to continue like making... Legends row or like retiring things I think you need to retire stuff for for Joe Bowen and stuff for for Paul Hendrick because those those two are are staples of Leafis.
0: Have, have I told you guys the have I told you the story of um my encounters with Paul Hendrick I've had a couple of them he's such a gem
2: I think you told them one about when you went to Buffalo this past year or two years ago
0: yeah it, 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 two years ago, was February but it just feels like it, it's forever ago. <laughs> It is, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so I'm not gonna bore you again with that story, but like, but like, yeah, literally everyone else. Okay, Damian Cox is the other one.
2: Mm, yeah. Okay, Damian Cox, he's hit and miss. He's he's had some bad takes.
0: He's not as bad as Steve Simmons.
2: Yeah, I think, and also like, you know, Damian Cox, they they realized that he wasn't necessarily the best, and unfortunately, they let him go, which I don't wish anybody necessarily losing their job unless they're really really scrummy. Like, Mr. Simmons here. Um, but, yeah, he was kind of, like, uh, who was another one that's kind of, you know. Like, Chris Johnson's a gem when it comes to asking questions. Because he asks it respectively. Uh, he doesn't necessarily oh,
0: yeah, win any Johnson.
2: punches. And he says it in such a calm and, and nice tone that it's just like, this guy is, just wants to have a conversation with me.
0: Yeah. No, like After, like, I've been in, like, a Maple Leaf scrum covering a, A practice before and Simmons wasn't there but I met Mark Masters I was there with my Humber College microphone and all that so they knew I was a student and stuff so you know they were like oh how's it going blah blah like they're all super nice um even I forget his name but the CBC Leafs beat reporter
2: oh um, um what's his name uh not not Mansbridge he was just the lead anchor um
0: No, he's
2: like the Leafs
0: uh, guy for CBC. Oh, um. You see him in the scrums all the time. I just can't remember his name.
2: Hold on, hold on.
0: Anyways, really nice guy as well. Paul Hendrick was there, and he, all the, there there was, like, me and my buddy from Humber covering it, and then there was a bunch of other, like, kids from, like, Centennial and all the other surrounding colleges and all that. Pulled us all aside and gave us all tips on like how to like what to do in scrums and stuff and like tips on the in general. And it was like it was like, damn, this is like a really nice guy. I was actually upset when I saw that he's he's retiring.
2: Yeah. um Well, before we get back to that, was it Greg Ross, the guy you were thinking of?
0: Greg Ross.
2: I don't I don't know if you were because I, I, I'm. Yeah, the, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. But anyway, yeah. To get back to, to Paul Hendrick, first of all, people thought he was fired from Leafs. No, he. From the, the Leafs I didn't. It's like, um, no, he's not. Why would you fire that man? Why would you want to see that man sad? That would have been terrible PR for the Leafs. I think he honestly, you know, it sucks that he's gone, but I think he did the best uh, decision because he did say that his wife uh, is battling cancer, which is. He just wants uh, to spend time very with serious him. yeah and obviously because of this pandemic you don't want to you know risk getting anybody sick or not spending yeah. time with anybody because you never know so it, it's good on him i think when it all comes down to it um he's gonna i think like for special events they, they can probably ask him back like you know like the hockey hall of fame how um there's a yeah. hall of, the hall of fame game afterwards they might do like i i think they should do like the one game that I went to was Team Fear versus Team Lidstrom, I think. No, uh, no, I can't remember. I know it was Team Fear, uh, and it was funny because Graf Fear was wearing his goalie skates and playing forward, which was funny. <laughs> um, but he doesn't have any other skates. Um, but yeah, Joe Boland was just sitting on the bench and just doing commentary. Oh, silly phone. Uh, all right you rants i'm I'm gonna take this real second
0: um what are we talking about again oh yeah paul hendrick great guy steve simmons shitty reporter it's just like not right to do like that's exactly what i learned in that media law and ethics class shout out carrie french who was the teacher of that but it's it's just like literally one of the first things you know Whenever it's just anything private, like medical information, uh, passing in the family, anything like that, you always, always, always have to – it's always best to get permission first. Unless you want to come across like a jackass, just like just like Steve Simmons was. And I guess I'm just going to stall here <laughs> until Matt is back because I don't really have much else to say. I've already said it all. So, uh. Matt, you good? Oh no. So I guess we'll move on to the. So drum. you're
2: talking bad about. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I was. Think. I have, You're lucky.
0: You just came right at the perfect time because I yes, just started saying, I, right. I was like, Matt, you done? I don't got anything else to say.
2: <laughs> perfect. Yeah, we, we wing that one perfectly. Um I had decided to take that call as my sister and she was asking me questions, so I I brushed her off and I said, Ask my parents. I don't know. Um Great brother. But yeah, I am I'm an amazing brother. Don't even come at me. Um but anyway, so uh getting back to the whole idea of uh Joe Bowen and Paul Hendrick, like Joe Bowen would basically just make sarcastic like you know how he's like politely sarcastic? Yeah. Like there was the one um the first Bernier from Center High School where uh if you listen to the radio broadcast, like he was just saying how good Bernier was, and then he lets mm-hmm. the, the goal in, and he's just like, take that back. And I'm just like <laughs> You know why?
0: Because Joe Bowen is an actual fan, so he was just as defeated as any other Leafs fan watching that game.
2: <laughs> he's he's so fun. Like, like if if I were to name like a top three of like commentators that are like homers, I'd pick him, Rick Jinrat, and uh who was the third one that I had? Not Jack Edwards. Jack Edwards can feh. Um whoever oh, there's
0: pick- one thing that Buffalo has and it's a great home announcer.
2: What, uh Rick Jinrat? Or are you talking about like yeah. the the in arena announcer?
0: No, like their their home like broadcast guy, J J R. I just know him as J R. That's what they call him.
2: Wait, what? The one who? The just one you said. said. Yeah, Rick Jenrat Yeah, I always forget his name. I heard Jr. and I'm like Jeremy Roderick? Or R J.
0: Whatever. Or R J. Yeah, my bad.
2: Yeah, that's that's that's. I was like, what the hell are you going on about? Um, the third one that I would say is whoever whoever does the no. Okay, Doc Emmerich's not a homer, so I can't get mad at him or uh, put him there. Um, had one and I lost it. Whoever does the home games for that, I'm not sure. Um, I have to run. I have to run out again. Um, rant about rant about the Jays quickly for two seconds.
0: What do you want me to say something to rant about? I'm pretty happy with how they're going. You know they got Nate Pearson looking good so far in the inner squad games. Um, just an overall, overall bright future for them. Honestly, I'm excited to see what they have. They have for this shortened season. Um, I'm not good at doing this by myself, Matt. You're really, really, really fucking me over here, but. Um. Yeah.
2: Okay, thinking, Matt.
0: Oh, yeah, I was just cursing you out for a second.
2: Oh, nice, perfect. I'm going to say,
0: oh, you man, you're really, you're really fucking me over here, man. I'm not good at doing this shit
2: alone. Hey, man, you know, I got, I got, you know, there's busy things happening today, okay? We're, we're trying to decorate the house and fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Very much fun stuff.
0: Anyways, yeah, so let's get to some Blue Jays talk and then we'll... Yeah, we'll wrap, wrap things it. up with TFC's game last night so you can get it out on your way.
2: Sure. Um. So we're 94% sure that the Jays are going to play their home games in the yeah. Skydome, slash Roger Center, slash whoever the hell, whatever the hell you want to call it, Um. which is kind of risky, I think.
0: It, I unless... If they can, like, all stay in that hotel, like, even the visiting teams and all that, and don't move at all from, like, there and, like, stay in there, I think they'd be fine.
2: I feel like it's going to be hard to stay in that, uh, in the, like, the hotel there. But apparently, like, Trent Thornton, who's one of the pitchers, like, he lived all 82 games in that hotel. So he's just like, meh, this is yeah, light work to
0: they me. Last year. i said
2: last year's allowed to go
0: up for walks and stuff oh yeah that's true i guess you can you can just walk around the concourse a bunch of times and stuff and like
2: i mean yeah you can have like uh you can have like drills you have people running in the in the concourse uh like the the ramps going up to the to the 500 that's a workout that is a good workout i think they could do they can incorporate that it would be Mm -hmm. very very uh Shitty and in in like heat like today, where it's just gonna be like burning your your ass off. Um, but yeah, I think it's risky. Also, considering the fact that they're playing in Tampa for their first game, and Florida is um not good right now. And by and by, when I mean not good, I don't mean like the team's not good because the team is very good.
0: It's the um, actual place of Florida that's not good.
2: Yeah, from from a sense of. Florida itself is very goofy and dumb. See, they arrested a kangaroo yesterday. They arrested a kangaroo. And where did they arrest it? In Florida or in Miami? In Fort Lauderdale. Only in Fort Lauderdale, where the friggin' uh, older retired people go.
0: Honestly, I'm just replaying that whole situation in my head, having no knowledge of what led up to that. And it is so funny
2: have you ever seen the movie kangaroo jack yes that's what i thought of i was like shit were they like filming a sequel and they accidentally like released a real kangaroo and they're like shit i thought we were gonna cgi the whole thing no that wasn't in the contract well now it's on the loose and i think that just goes to show you how funny americans like priority is because it's like oh over a hundred
0: taylor's killers are still out but let's arrest this kangaroo
2: Yeah, let's arrest the kangaroo, but not people who uh, killed innocent uh, people of color, which is really, really stupid. And also let's focus on politics and an election when half of the population is slowly
0: sick. And let's make masks and anything to do with health-related
2: a political issue, because why the hell not? Because America. And uh, do we want to talk about how, how stupid Laura Ingram is?
0: What did she say now? Oh God.
2: So, um, the Fox News reporter, I saw this when I woke up this morning, and I was like, "Wait, what?" So she said that the city of Toronto has banned receiving communion in the Catholic Church, and the best response to that is in my in the what like the the trending bio and, and twitter it's just like no toronto did not ban a catholic church from administering communion and the best is um people were I, I think like she said that toronto was in america for some reason and i'm just like i don't know do they think every they don't know they can't point out america on a map of the world yeah like did you see the i, I know i think you shared the, the was it you that shared the clip or was it somebody else i think it was uh Sergey on Leafs Twitter, he shared the CNN clip of uh, of one of oh, the yeah. administrators going, like, I don't know why you'd want to live in Canada when we live in the best country in the world.
0: Yeah. It's terrible. It's like, how can you honestly say that with a straight face? With everything that's been transpiring there in the last few months, it's like they need a friggin' reality check. They don't know what they're
2: missing here. Speaking, just, of, speaking of funny quotes, apparently Travis Dermott did a media Zoom call and he said, I can't wait to get back and see all of your beautiful faces again. Can we protect this band from every way I shape? love
0: Travis Dermott. I'm so upset that he didn't have the best of seasons this year because I really like him.
2: I think what's going to happen is with, with with this pandemic, like with the extended rosters... We're going to see some players really come out, like uh, Nick Robertson, like uh, who else was uh, a big name that was on the roster. I think Alexander Romanov was one. Oh, on the Habs is, roster, yeah. Which is weird because isn't he signed for next year? No, I think they allowed, like, if you
0: signed a player different now and then and if they can play on the, on the team. Oh, yeah, the back. He
2: signed – he signed the contract uh, a few weeks like ago. I'm pretty
0: sure Lettman oh, can play for the, the Leafs,
2: right? Yeah, they signed him on the 13th. I thought they signed him a lot earlier. Also, like, whoa. this guy is supposed to be really hype, but he doesn't really have the best numbers. I mean, he was good at the World Juniors. Who? Like, oh, seven, seven Yeah, seven, goal, seven assists in 43 games in the KHL. I
0: don't know. He did have a really good World Juniors.
2: I think I think it's one of those things where it's like you know, like the the Timothy Liljegren effect, where you look at his junior numbers and you go, "Holy crap, this guy's garbage," and then he comes and realizes, "Oh, he was sick, or he had mono, or something."
0: Yeah, in his draft year, he had mono. Yeah. Oh, so he was going to be like the top five pick, right?
2: Yeah. Who went before? I don't know. i when I do my eventual top ten picks with the draft I'll I'll go in and talk about that um but getting back to the Jays because I feel like we literally went and talked about anything but that we just mentioned oh by the way they're playing in in at home um,
0: what's, what's your um what, what, what are your expectations for like the, what, what really interests me is the rotation this year so, like, what are your expectations for them? Because there's some, like – like, there's some, like, people that, like, you're not really sure how to gauge. Like, how do you gauge um, Shoemaker? Because he had, like, four or five really great starts last year. But then, unfortunately, yeah. tore his ACL. Yeah. So, how do you gauge that? How do you gauge someone like Nate Pearson, who's never really pitched in the MLB before, but is very, very um, hyped up? Like, even, like, other players, like Roark, who have seen, like, some – seen some success in the in the in the majors like how do you like gauge them because they've been kind of inconsistent but they bring that that experience to the rotation
2: um like R- 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 if i'm not mistaken is an innings eater like he'll he he can strike out a lot of batters but he's good with with going the distance with innings so i think that's why they got him also like he's played that's the good because they're bullpen yeah sucks. exactly um I think the final rotation after everything is done is going to be basically everybody except Chase Anderson. So it's going to be uh, Pearson, Bork, Ryu, uh, Thornton, and Shoemaker. Rookie. Oh, rookie. I forgot about Barucki. Okay, or Barucki's going to... How about this? Hmm. Because I think Chase Anderson... I don't know what the hell is going to happen with the rotation. I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to roll with like starters in their bullpen. And if they have a bullpen day... They can just have like a bunch of starters be like, okay, you go four innings, and then you can go two innings.
0: Because and- I know Montoyo is not opposed to using the opener.
2: Yeah, but I think I think the opener, to be completely honest, is only going to work if there's like massive injuries because now you're kind of forcing your hand to play Pearson because I know you're putting him at risk with, with COVID in the air and, and around people, but like there's no minor leagues. You can't send him down. Or anything like that, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's like, is he really going to benefit, though, from
2: like not playing at all? Like, no. Exactly. So it's kind of like, do you want to have him sit out for a year? Or do you want him to pitch? And I think everybody wants him to pitch. So. I think
0: no matter what, though, he was going to come up at some point during the season if it was a full year.
2: It was going to be the Guerrero effect, where in an ideal situation, they keep him down for all of April, and then May he comes up and does his thing. That's what I personally think would have happened. And, like, I think, to me, Pearson is at least going to get a nomination for Rookie of the Year. I don't know if he wins it, because Luis Robert of the White Sox, I think, is going to be the one who takes it, because he looks really, really solid, really completing that, that White Sox outfield. Um but I think what's going to end up happening is like, yeah, Pearson's going to get the that nomination. I think the Jays finish. It's a sixty-game season, so I think it's going to go. In I can see them
0: being around five hundred. Like if I'm being I realistic, I see them
2: going, yeah, like thirty, like thirty-one and thirty, or like thirty-two and twenty-nine, kind of like a couple games above five hundred is the best well, case scenario. That's too
0: many games because they only play
2: Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. They Sixty
0: only play games. 60,
2: you're right. Um so yeah, I'd say
0: I'd say but, like twenty eight to like thirty two wins, something like yeah,
2: that. Yeah. That sounds about right. And also like keep in mind they're playing against a weaker AL East because, you know, obviously the Red
0: Sox got rid of the best player in the division.
2: Yeah. Mookie Betts is gone. Chris or yeah, Chris is gonna have Tommy John surgery. And then when he comes back, he might not even be the same. David Price is gone. Uh, the Yankees don't have a Chapman because of COVID, which hindsight, I obviously wish he's healthy. Um, they don't have DJ LeMahieu, to my knowledge. Uh, the Rays that I found out earlier today don't have Austin Meadows anymore because he tested positive And he was, in my opinion, the the AL, I think he was the AL Rookie of the Year this past year. I can't remember. That feels like an eternity ago. It does. Like it's 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 strange. Also, like there's some sports that like I can get used to without fans. Like baseball is one of them, because like just hearing the crack of the bat is gonna be good enough for me. Mhm. Um, but like hockey is gonna be it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be very hard to. To look at that, uh, and oh, Meadows actually didn't win Rookie of the Year in, in 2019 in the AL. Who did? Um, well, I looked that up. We could talk about TFC in a second. Uh, rookie of the Year was oh, Jordan Alvarez because the Astros have to win everything, and that's totally stupid. That is that is <laughs> that is very dumb. Uh, okay, who are who are the who are the other nominees? Prevailed in the voting over John Means of the Orioles and Brandon Lowe of the Rays. Really? Like, are, are you sure?
0: I don't know. I don't know what goes into this. <sighs> this
2: sport is so stupid. Anyway, uh, speaking of a sport that's not stupid... Uh, let's talk about MLS and the fact that defense in soccer is so overrated. We shouldn't cool. have it. I don't know.
0: It just seems to be a theme whenever Toronto and Montreal play. They have, like, these crazy, crazy games.
2: Yeah, like, they literally scored, like, they like Toronto scored first, and then um, they scored that absolutely beautiful goal uh, at Canolo with that brilliant feed by Pozzuolo. It was Mm – it felt like a hockey goal because it was literally just like a friggin', you know, pass to a tap-in. Yeah. Amazing. And then, obviously, they came back and scored. And then TSC is just like, oh, yeah, well, we're just going to go and put this in the back of the net right now. Yeah,
0: Canola got his hat trick. Man, he's been so good with Altidore out,
2: man. I was – This team is – and I'm going to say this right now. I think this team is the best team in MLS because – they get battered down and they get hurt. And I know 2018 sucked, or no, 2017 sucked because no, no, 2017
0: they, they won. 2018 they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and then
2: 2019
0: they just made the finals again.
2: Yeah, and like 20 2018 they had a lot of injuries. Like Javinko was hurt a lot. Uh, Vasquez was hurt a lot. They sold both of those guys. Uh, they get Posuelo. No one really knows a lot about him. Turns out playing in Europe
0: his whole career. So yeah, from, by MLS standards, that's he's a really good player.
2: Yeah, and then obviously I think he comes in and does better than Javinko in his first year.
0: uh mm-hmm. I don't know. Javinko like probably the best player the MLS has ever seen.
2: Arguable, but I I would I'd say at least one B. No,
0: Pozuelo was really good, like one of the best. But what players about
2: in the, uh, the thing is, Jovinko came in from Juventus in the prime of his career. This is true, yeah, and also Jovinko, I don't think will unfortunately ever play on the Italian national team ever again. I think he should, they should give him a chance, but I mean, I well,
0: maybe they would have made the 2018 World Cup, but okay, I, let's, I dig- not,
2: let's not go there. I digress. <laughs> yeah, that's very stupid. Um, um when you have a manager that keeps your best player on the bench, you know, you're doing something right, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Angel Ventura,
2: I see now, piece of shit. Friggin' insane. Anyways, bench. The, the, wound, the wound is still fresh. Yeah, even though it's been almost, well, yeah, it's been about almost two years. because it over at, two years. No, it's gonna be two years in the fall, because it happened is in it? the fall of 2018. Oh, true. Anyways, yeah, it was terrible. Absolutely yeah, like terrible. It was really stupid. Um, but uh, in regards to MLS, like yeah, like this team has done so well of not only getting international talent but developing like younger talent, homegrown talent. Like I know he didn't play, but like Jonathan Rosario, I think is probably one of the best strikers that they have. Um, even like
0: t- with other like their younger players, like like Akinola, someone that they.
2: Yeah, or, or Tolstoy Ricketts. Yeah,
0: Ricketts was Rickets, another one.
2: Who unfortunately isn't playing right now, to my knowledge. Yeah, um, and then,
0: and then uh, who else was there? What's his name? Um, Schaffelberg is another young, promising player who's
2: another homegrown piece. Yeah. Um, And also, like, yeah, like, their international signings have been amazing. Like, they got, you know, Paco they got Piatti. Yeah, Piatti's been great ever since they got him. And well, he's
0: only th- played in the like one and a, and a half games ish
2: for Toronto
0: yeah. FC so far, but like looks good.
2: Yeah, exactly. He yeah, has
0: good chemistry with Pozuelo. I noticed already, like the way like they they see each other on the field.
2: Well, they're both uh they're both from the same. Are they both from the same
0: area? No, no one. Uh, Pozuelo Spanish, and Piatti is a um Argentinian. Right.
2: But even They Stephens, both
0: played in, in Spain though.
2: Yeah, they it, both played in Spain and they have that um they have yeah. that you know, chemistry together from from playing together.
0: Yeah. So game, Toronto FC does remind me a bit of the Toronto Raptors from this season.
2: Yeah, I think they're with so... with the way
0: how like they have all these injuries and they're just like next man up and like Akinola's replacing Altidore, is one of the best players in the league and he just goes and has five goals in two games so far.
2: Yeah, literally. And it's it's getting to the point right now where I would argue like if you want to look at coaches like in all of Toronto sports, like I would probably put Greg Vanny at the number two because Nick Nurse is still king and he is still everyone's dad. Um
0: Nick I'd Nurse probably, is the
2: best coach in the NBA. Like you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And like the only like there's literally nobody that can probably hold a candle to Nick Nurse, at least right now. Because things mm-hmm. change on a dime, but yeah. I think we can all agree that regardless of how the yeah, season, Vanny's
0: a Vanny's a great coach. I Keith think Keith is a great coach.
2: Did Did Greg Vanny win uh, Coach of the Year when when TFC won the MLS Cup? I don't remember what I think he won it one year for sure. Uh, I'm gonna be on that right now. Well, well, that was
0: the year that they got the treble, Toronto FC. Yeah. So They got the Supporters Shield, the Canadian domestic
2: championship, and they won the MLS Cup. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh. Yeah, he he was. Yeah, Canadian championship, Trillium Cup. He was. Yeah, 2017 MLS Coach of the Year, and he was also the CONCACAF Coach of the Year. Oh damn. Yeah. This is this just goes to show you how good this man is. And also like, he yeah. was a, he was a great player too.
0: Oh yeah, in the MLS he was a really good player. Yeah, he was
2: one of the best players. Played for the LA Galaxy for many many years. Um, yeah, he plays most with the with the LA Galaxy. Well, like
0: that's one thing that makes me happy though about Toronto FC now. Because remember the first couple of years they went through like a different coach and different GM like every every year or so. Like it was crazy.
2: I think what it all comes down to is teams really need like a unfortunately they need a long time of losing Yeah. It's them to finally realize okay we need to do this
0: but it was like nobody wanted to like stay and like coach them or be the GM but now they're pretty stable with Ali Curtis and, and Vanny who were finally like look like that they're in it for the long run and they, they've been pretty successful so far
2: yeah and also like Vanny hasn't been that long removed from the game like he retired in 06 like well, I know, mm-hmm. like, it feels like an eternity ago, but like, it, that's pretty fresh when it comes to coaches uh, that really step into, especially head coaches. Step I really into, like
0: too how all the MLSE teams have like these like younger coaches when everyone else has like seventy year olds. Yeah, it feels and, and this is like, the argument.
2: This is the argument that I made on on our last Nosebleed show. Yeah, is that you need to take a chance with youth, and you need to take a chance with. They see the game that, differently. Uh, yeah, you don't need to recycle coaches, mm-hmm. okay? I understand, okay, if, if the best coach is available, absolutely, you go for him. But if there's not, like, take a chance on somebody. Like, like uh, Mike Babcock did not work out. <laughs> exactly. And who was uh, the coach in Dallas before uh, he got fired because of his alcohol problems? I can't remember his name. Oh, hell, what was his name? Feels like so long ago, man. I completely
0: forgot that they fired a coach.
2: Yeah. Um. So we'll wrap it up here. You do the outro. I have to get my door again before people get mad.
0: All right. So, yeah, follow us on Twitter. I won't screw it up like Matthew at Q underscore City Roundup. Send us a follow there. We will try and be more active on there, especially now with sports coming back. Um. Shout out again to Ben okazawa for coming on the show earlier again you can find him at okazawa ben on twitter he's a great follow and follow uh crown hoops where you can see content from him and myself and the other many talented writers that work for crown hoops if you want your basketball fix some some great content over there
2: and, yes uh, do that.
0: and matt anything anything you want to say before we end it off
1: um,
2: I'm just optimistic. I'm hoping that things come back safer and not rushed, and nobody gets incredibly sick. Um, Listen to doctors. Don't be a political jerk. Um, you, are, you already said follow Nick. Um, or, uh, Nick. or Ben. Or Ben. Sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm out of breath. Um, and also, uh, one thing that I will say finally is um, to several people that think the Leafs are the center of attention. First of all, they are. Second of all, get over up, it. Shut up and accept it.
0: Get over it. Leafs hey. are the center of the hockey universe. Shut up. Exactly. Um, all right.
2: yeah, that, that's all for, for us.
0: Yeah, see you next week. Yes, what
2: he said.